I'm Lowell. And I'm Aiden. And this is I Read the News Today. Oh, boy. We are not journalists. Pundits. Or candy stripers. Uh, but we do read the news. And we're here to talk about the shit that's going on. Within the past 10 hours, the full Mueller report, 380-something pages of the, the actual report, of course, a lot of it redacted, was released. And so... We're not going to talk about that today because, frankly, we don't have enough information. And in the 30 or 40 minutes it takes us to record this, there is going to be some other piece of news yeah. about the Mueller report. And on top of that, we we already told you our opinions on the Mueller report, and I'm not sure that what we have right now is going to inform our opinions anymore. Yeah. Um, but... Aiden, what are we going to talk about? So we're going to talk today about the recent controversy surrounding the um, freshman congressman from Minnesota, Alan Omar. So this is going to be the second in our series of things that aren't fair in terms of how Democratic politicians are being treated. Yes. <laughs> um, following the Joe Biden episode. So tell me a little bit more about what is going on with Ilan Omar. So I think really the, to get a full understanding of what's going on, you really have to go beyond what is totally what's just in the article that we're going to discuss. Ilan Omar is she, she took office um, with the new Congress in January um, she's a congresswoman from uh, Minnesota. And the controversy itself really like the first time I heard about it was in the aftermath of some tweets that she sent out, some tweets that she twad. Um, yeah, uh. where she it was argued that she referenced some anti-Semitic kind of language or tropes. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that she said was something about Israel. It's all about the Benjamins. Yeah. Um, and. That was a little bit of a controversy, but there's been a reignition of it from comments that she made in regards to 9-11. And so what what are the exact comments that she made? What are the words that she said and what is the context of them that is not being shown? The, so the quote that's being taken out of con context is basically 9-11 was some people did something. Yeah. And that's that's the quote that is being kind of ran with right now. Yes. So, for example, Dan Crenshaw has a, a Twitter post that says first member of Congress to ever describe terrorists who killed thousands of Americans on 9-11 as some people who did something unbelievable. Ronna McDan McDaniel, who is GOP chairwoman, said Ilan Omar isn't just anti-Semitic, she's anti-American. Nearly 3,000 Americans lost their lives to Islamic terrorists on 9-11, yet Omar diminishes it as some people did something. So what did she actually say? So the full quote is, for too long, we have lived with the discomfort of being a second class citizen. And frankly, I'm tired of it. And every single Muslim in this country should be tired of it. CARE was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties. And so uh, to clarify, CARE is the acronym for the Council on American Islamic Relations. Yes. C-A-I-R. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think the one of the issues with, I think, this controversy is it it's 
ignoring what I think the real issue with that quote is, and that is that care was actually founded in 1994. Yeah, no, clearly that's the issue and the only issue that she she misrepresented where when care was founded. And that is just a terrible thing for her. No, I mean, it, it wasn't founded at that at that moment. It was an organization that was around, but certainly 9-11 and the vitriol around 9-11 in terms of the anti-Muslim mm-hmm. sentiment made care even more important. Yeah. Yes. Some something happened. Uh, some people the, did something. The, the essence it's, of the quote is essentially... It's, it wasn't Muslims that did 9-11. 9-11 wasn't caused by Muslims. It was caused by terrorists. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, what a lot of Islamic people, and we are speaking as two straight white men of Judeo-Christian descent, but I think from my understanding, what a lot of Islamic people feel is in the aftermath of 9-11, it was blamed on Islam. Yeah. And that caused a lot of discrimination against Muslims. And that is a real problem. Yeah, it is. And I, and that's what she was addressing. And somehow GOP and and Fox News and other conservative pundits have decided to spin this into she thinks that 9-11 is no big deal. Yeah. And that's absurd. I don't think that any anyone thinks that it's no big deal. I don't think that people who committed it think it's no big deal. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And uh, that's not to relate anyone involved in this story with the people who did it. But it, it is a big deal. Of course, it's a big deal. And all she was doing was saying in front of a group of people involved in an organization meant to support the rights of American Muslims. All she was doing is confirming the fact that all of these people knew that after 9-11, this, this organization was even more important. That's all. It's, it's not a fair characterization of what she said, but also it is, it is trying to pile onto a concept of her being un-American. Mm-hmm. And really the only basis of that is because she's Muslim. Yeah. That she's a person of Islamic faith. Mm-hmm. And for a little bit more, I know that you looked a little bit more into her. Mm-hmm. Can you can you tell me a bit more about her background? Yeah, I mean, she so you you referred to her earlier as one of the first Muslim women elected to Congress. Um, yeah. The reason she isn't the first Muslim woman elected to Congress is because she took office at the, as the same at the same time as another Muslim woman. And was Rashida Tlaib, was she was she sworn in before Ilan Omar? Or, you know, Lowell, I do not have the <laughs> list memorized of what members of Congress were okay. sworn in. So as far as we when. can, as far as we can. No, but uh, the, the, your statement was one of the one first of Muslim the first, women yeah. elected. Elected. So that, that's fair. that's that's an accurate right. statement. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, th- I thought that you were I thought that you were contradicting. Yeah, I thought you were saying that she's not the first. But I, no, I, I, I was not. Yeah, I was. It was a quibble over the fact that she could. You could also argue. Like, it's really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so the point that I'm trying to make. So in other words, we can bring out of this quibble corner that they are tied for first and a yes. tie for first is still first. Yes. What what else should we know about her? She's from her her family's from Somalia. No, she was born in Somalia. She was born in she Somalia. She was born in Somalia. Um she came to the United States around the age of uh, 9. Okay. So she's Somali born. She's now a US citizen. 
She's now a United States representative. Yes. A pretty phenomenal, I would say, immigrant success story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she is a representative from what state? Minnesota. Okay. So technically, she's not a Democrat. Why do you say that? So the Minnesota Democratic Party is the Minnesota Democratic Party, Democratic Farmer Labor Party. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's technically a Democratic Farmer Labor Party member. Democratic farmer laborer, maybe? That's where I was hoping okay. we were going. <laughs> I didn't. That's a fun fact. It's a very weird quirk of Minnesota, particularly. Well, so um, one thing I did notice is so she's the representative for Minnesota's fifth district, and that was preceded by Keith Ellison. Um, Keith Ellison, I believe, was the first Muslim elected to Congress. So, oh. yeah. And he has faced similar attacks from conservatives because of his faith. Yeah. Um, now, Keith Ellison has also been caught up in an abuse scandal recently, oh, no. so that should be taken into account when we talk about him. But it's I think it's it just goes to illustrate kind of the consistent record of attacks that Muslim lawmakers face. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And include everything that is involved in these attacks is the fact that there was a New York Post cover that says, Representative Ilhan Omar, 9-11 was some people did something. Here's your something. And behind that is a picture of the World Trade Center exploding. I mean, it's it, it seems like it to me, this feels like like you're you're using this image in such a disgraceful way. Yeah, it's it's. It's really an attempt to use this tragedy for political gain. And it's it's. Yeah. And it's not just political gain. It's attacking one individual for coming from Donald Trump's party. It feels extremely disingenuous. And I think this is a just a kind of an example of the recent sort of attempt by the Republican Party to brand the Democrats as the party of anti-Semitism in a way. And I think that what was interesting about the article that you chose, uh, we we looked at two articles from Vox. Uh, One was Republicans are taking Elon Omar's comments on 9-11 out of context. Smear her by Zach Buchamp or Buchamp, one of those two. Uh, And also by the same author, it's time for Ilhan Omar's critics to stand with her against Trump's tax. That second article, he says that he's been fairly critical of the comments, the uh, anti-Semitic stereotypes about Jewish money and dual loyalty. And he thinks that she needs to be more careful in the way she speaks at a time of rising anti-Semitism in America. But Overall, in this article, he says that it is unnecessary and also Islamophobic the way that she is being attacked. He also has has this one line, perhaps the simplest moral axiom of modern politics should be this. If we are concerned about bigotry, we should be concerned about it regardless of which group is targeted or affected or which side our political allies are on. And by that standard, Omar's critics are particularly obligated to stand with her now. And mm-hmm. uh, absolutely, I think that if this this concern of bigotry, of anti-Semitism was legitimate, then all of these attacks would be concerned with themselves. Yeah, it's it's interesting that the some of the attacks that she's facing, like some of the, the some of the reasons that she, her tweets have been criticized are for the idea, the anti-Semitic idea of American Jews having a dual loyalty with Israel. 
Yeah. And she has faced attacks of having dual loyalty or being less than an American because of her Islamic faith. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's extremely disingenuous to make that argument towards Representative Omar if you're simultaneously criticizing her for language that she's used about other people's faith. And uh, and it's and I think it's it's absolutely fair to criticize some of the language, some or all of the language that she's used in her tweets. And I think that the writer of the article does a really good job of saying she should be more careful in the way that she speaks. I don't think that Representative Omar is anti-Semitic, even if she has used some of that language or some of those tropes in her tweets. Yeah. One of the things that you and I had talked about with this is that it feels like it is the only reason why Republicans are doing this all they care about is the pro-Israel vote. Yeah. And they don't actually care about anti-Semitism at all. Yeah. And I, I think that I don't think that I'm going out of outside of what is is plainly clear when I say that I don't think that Republicans actually care that much about anti-Semitism. Yeah, I would agree. Um, for example, I mean, I know that this is just Donald Trump and you can't hold all Republicans to Donald Trump, and I don't think that you, in the same way that you can't hold all cultures to one person, but uh, Donald Trump uh, did say in 2015 to a, a room full of Jewish Republicans that they were not going to support him because he doesn't want their money. Which sounds a lot like, like the, it, Representative Omar's tweet that it's all about the Benjamins. And and he also said, added to that, these Jewish Republicans want to control their politicians and that's fine. Yeah. And that's, I mean... Honestly, that is far more incendiary than than what Omar said, especially since he was saying it directly to to these people. But also, uh, yeah, of course, I I agree with you. I think that Omar's as as a, a Jewish person, I do do feel that Omar's what Omar is saying is dangerous. I think that the fact that over thousands of years. Jewish people have been portrayed through all kinds of media as as people who are controlling the world through money. In ancient Rome, in in all all parts of of Europe throughout generations, that has been a uh, what what would modernly call a dog whistle. Yeah. And particularly now, as we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism, I think it's totally fair to say to someone like Representative Omar, be a little bit more careful about the language that you're using. Yes. And I mean, another just to point out another thing that's disingenuous about Donald Trump's response to this is the Charlottesville response. Of course. If if you're going to go after Representative Omar like this, you can't be the guy who said there were very fine people marching in a rally where people yeah. chanted Jews will not replace us. You can't exactly. You cannot and, you cannot you cannot be the man of both sides of the argument if and also the person who attacks uh, people who are making an argument. Do you know the significance of Jews will not replace us? I believe I do, but uh, if you want to explain, so I didn't. I didn't know this until um, relatively recently. But um, when I when Charlottesville happened and mm-hmm. we saw the video of Jews will not replace us, I was assuming that line meant like we will not be replaced by Jewish people, which mm-hmm. in and of itself is anti-Semitic. Yes, but that 
that idea that Jews will not replace us has its root in a. Can I can I actually make a guess as to what what you're going to to say? What the yeah this is. Um, my my expectation is that it is it is saying that they believe that the Jews who control the money are trying to replace white people with black people as the labor force. Yes. It's so it's, it's a anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Yeah. The idea that Jews are replacing white people with, um, refugees with any non-white people. And it's, and that, that is particularly dangerous because that is what the Pittsburgh synagogue shooter thought. Yeah. He attacked that synagogue because they that was a synagogue that was known to be working a, with a Jewish organization that helped refugees. And the the president's rhetoric feeds into that. It does. It absolutely does. And uh, I mean, the president and and a majority of the Republican Party and not just recently, not just since Donald Trump. It is something that has been in the open in the Republican Party for a while. Mm hmm. Uh, it hasn't been as loud as it is now, but it has been there. And and the thing is, what has been louder for a long time has been the Islamophobia mm-hmm. since 9-11. The Islamophobia has been much louder than the anti-Semitism. It doesn't mean that it's not there. And so you asked me earlier uh, when we were when we were looking into this, why I was looking up the term Semitic. Mm-hmm. Um, what one of the things that I've I've found kind of kind of interesting for a long time is that we so much modernly talk about anti-Semitism as being anti-Judaism, mm-hmm. anti-Jewish people. But the, the word Semitic actually is talking about a, a family of languages mm-hmm. that include Hebrew and Arabic and the uh, Semitic people are people from the areas that speak Hebrew and Arabic. And and one of the things that I found ironic is that this is a term for people who are both Jewish and, and Arabic, mm-hmm. Jews and Muslims. And yes, a, a Muslim person can say things that are hateful towards Jewish people. Jewish people can say things that are hateful towards Muslim people. But at the end of the day, the outside world labeled all these people Semites. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, the world looks at all of us as as the other and pretty much the same other, non-Christians. And the people who hate us are the same people. The people who hate Muslims and people who hate Jews are are the same people. I personally have a lot of issues with Israel, and I don't think that you have to support Israel to support Jews. And I don't think that by supporting Israel, you are supporting Jews. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that's a very good point. And, and f- another thing that just to wrap it all together, just this month, this is also in the in this this Vox article. Uh, Just this month, Trump told an American Jewish audience that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was their prime minister. Uh, And and that. Yeah, I mean, it's an in and of itself. It's another example of that dual, dual loyalty argument, which you're you're. You didn't state it explicitly, but um, in your discussion of the word Semitic itself, 
it's interesting how that can be applied to how hateful people can apply that to both Jewish people and to Islamic people. Yeah. And it, it, it is definitely Donald Trump making a dual loyalty argument, but it, it also is showing what he he truly believes in. And he his when he says Jewish, he means Israel. He, he believes in his heart that Israel is the Jews and Jews is Israel. And that is why he he believes that that is who he's supporting. He's not supporting Jewish people. He's not doing this rallying cry for Jews. He is making a show for Israel, for people who believe that Israel is there is the best terrorist deterrent in the area, mm-hmm. things like that. And and I, I that is even even his support of Israel in a lot of ways, the way that he supports Israel and the way that the Republican Party supports Israel comes from and is based in Islamophobia mm-hmm. in a lot of in a lot of ways. Uh, it, it is to me and has always been to me very disingenuous in terms of how they treat Jewish people versus Israelis and how they kind of think that it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I've repeated myself like five times. Yeah. So I think I can move on from this point. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I think that's those are all really good points. And I think it's again, it's much like with the Joe Biden discussion. This is not something that we're going to solve. Um, but I think there's a you lot. You don't think that we can solve the Israeli Palestine? I don't conflict? think you and I sitting here can solve anti-Semitism. No. And I don't think I'm going out on a limb when I say that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Jared Kushner thinks that he can do it. <laughs> <laughs> more power to him. Uh, good luck, Jared. Do you want to do you want to move on to our next segment? Yeah, why not? So um, now we're going to move into a more humorous and less uh, world news. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to try a bit a bit less to uh, solve the world's issues. And instead, we're just going to talk about a massive 20 pound goldfish. So this is, again, um, the first time I'm seeing this article, um, which I think has been the case for the past three weeks. 20. I, OK, I wait until you see the picture, okay, buddy. So I don't wait until you see it. I do not have any concept of what 20 pounds of fish looks like. Uh yeah, no, nor did I until I saw it. And but not only that, also goldfish. Not only that, it is in fact a goldfish. Uh, it was caught by uh, avid fisherman Hunter Anderson. And if you scroll oh my down, god, it is. He, he says there's no faking that kind of fish. That is wild. It was, it was crazy. It is. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Anderson says he and his girlfriend were driving home. Uh, this was in this is in Kentucky. They stopped at a, a pond to to look for goldfish or koi fish. Uh, and he says that he used a cashin rod. I don't know what that is. And some pieces of leftover biscuits as bait. And legitimately. This fish is the size of his torso. It is that's enormous, bright orange. It is exactly what you would think of as a goldfish. It it looks like it's 
and again, my reaction to that was the first time I had seen this photo. It looks like they're either playing with perspective somehow yeah. or it's photoshopped. Yes. So if you want to see this picture, uh, it's CBSnews.com. It is by Sophie Lewis from uh, February 13th, 2019. Is there that. anything in the article? Is, did did the goldfish imagine? die within a day of them catching it? <laughs> is that so? While I say that, is that... Was that your experience with goldfish? I never had any goldfish. Okay. I had I had them beta fish, which die once a month. Okay. Still. They die once a month? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it feels like that when your dad immediately replaces it in a different oh, color. Okay. It's like, oh, it resurrected as a new phoenix. <laughs> because I... Phoenix beta fish. I won... When I was young, probably like six or seven, I won a goldfish at a oh. county fair. Can you imagine? Because I grew up in the 1940s. Could you imagine putting this guy into a plastic bag and uh, and and, well, and carrying him home? It would be home? a trash bag. It would be a giant trash bag, yeah. filled with water. Yeah, it would be one of it would be, and it would have to be one of the stretchy heavy hefties. I actually use those guys. the The force force flex glad bags. Is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah, those. I can't. I can't rate those highly. Uh, they rip so easy. Is this going to be a recurring segment called trash bag reviews? <laughs> it could be. Uh, Glad Force Flex. Don't get it. Not good. That's all I'm saying. So yeah, I mean, I I <laughs> won a goldfish at a fair when I was like six or seven, mm-hmm. and it died the next day. Legitimately, next day. Yeah. Did you feed it? I I'm sure my parents did. Are you sure your parents did? Yeah, I would admit they're they're programmed to die the next day. <laughs> that's like that's what goldfish do. Now this it, is sweet. Well, let me let me just okay. let me just latch onto this a little bit more because what you're saying is that goldfish that you get at a, a fair carnival or anything like yeah. that they are specifically designed okay so they, well no no i the, i believe that the based on what you're saying that they are specifically designed so that a child can get one and experience loss for the first time it's a it's a low stakes loss my my comment was more <laughs> a criticism of county fairs themselves oh. than fish i think that it's a plan i think that it's all planned out a, a fair is your <laughs> The your rides that travel on a truck are placed in a muddy field <laughs> by someone who has no expertise. True. In working what is heavy machinery. Yeah. Uh-huh. If it travels on a truck and it's a machine, it's heavy machinery. Oh, it's very heavy and it is machinery. Yeah. So I can agree with you. So it's I don't think it's a stretch to say that they didn't get the highest quality fish. <laughs> I, I agree. For, for young Aiden. Yeah, no, definitely not. And but but how did you feel the next day when when it when you saw it dead? I think I was probably, probably upset. Yeah. So when grandpa dies down the line, you have an experience that you, you can relate to already. Yeah. It's not as big of a hit. You know, I think I think that's the point of them. This was this got surprisingly dark. Surprisingly yeah, this, quick. that's wow. That's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> So I did read a little bit more of the article, and yep. um, Anderson did a very sweet thing. He put the fish back into the pond. Wow. Deserved to swim another day, he said. And only one more day, well, since it can only live that long. <laughs> another, th- well, yeah, it's a little bit less sweet, because, like, I don't imagine the meat of a goldfish is that delicious. Oh, you don't, no. You don't see that on a menu much. Nope. But who knows? 
it this is, was this it was is, the chance. It is wild how big this fish it is. It is wild. Have we killed enough time um, on how big this fish is? Yep. <laughs> and we can certainly cut out some of the amount that we've talked about this fish. It's a big old fish. It's a big fish. That's really all you need to know here. Oh, we can't use that. Okay, we're not going to get sued by John August, the writer of Big Fish. No. I do I do know that. No. That is that is a hell of a pull. What he doesn't know is the reason I know that is because Damn, that's good pull Lowell. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, he is a fellow podcaster. Okay, cool. That's why I know that. Oh, that's a great pull. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna take a break here. Have a great few seconds. Thank you for listening to I Read the News Today, Oh Boy. Um, Please visit us on iTunes or Spotify and rate and review, subscribe, um, or wherever you are listening to us. Um, You can follow us on Twitter at News Oh Boy. Um, Please send us weird um, news, um, funny articles, weird Wikipedia pages at newsoboy at gmail.com. Um, if you send us anything, we will mention you on the show. That's 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 everything. Thanks. Yeah. Nailed it. Well, with that, are we going to my favorite website? Let's let's go to the wiki of the week. OK, so before you click on the wiki of the week, I Which want will workshop that name. I want to play the same game we played last week. OK, um, so if you could find the name of this article. Mm-hmm. OK, what is it? It is Digby. Tatham Warter. Okay, now I want to say the person's name is Allison Digby Tatham Warter. And I want you to tell me what you think that is. Allison Digby Tatham Warter. Yes. I think that is a gold medal uh, gymnast. Okay. From from the UK. Okay. All right. Uh, You're free to click. It it could also be um, for some reason I'm just seeing thinking athletes like a, a swimmer or something. Okay, you got UK right. Mm. Well, Tatham Ward. Okay, yes, <laughs> that that's the the biggest bummer for me about this article is the article is Digby Tatham Warder. The man's name was Allison Digby Tatham Warder, which is the most English name there's ever been. It is yes. Um, and could you do me a bit quick favor? Yes. Can you look at that smolder? Yeah. No, this is a, a picture of a person in full. full it's Major Allison Digby Tatham Warder, a uh, person in full World War II uh, British regalia. And can you and, do me a bit quick favor? And it's very smoldery. Yes. Can you look at that smolder? Yeah, very smoldery. Like uh, piercing, piercing eyes in this smolder. Who is this person? Okay, so um, can you just um, (laughs) read me? I found it. Yeah, can you read me what you just found? Uh, The second sentence after saying who this person is, is that he was most known, most known for carrying an umbrella into battle. Yeah, so that's why I picked this. Okay. Um, This there's some dry stuff in the early life section and early uh-huh. military career, and then it gets great. Okay, so tell me a bit more about this. There person. are some choice quotes in here. So right at the end of early military career, uh-huh. um, he never joined the army so that he would be able to continue his hobbies of tiger hunting and pig sticking. <laughs> oh, good. So he's the one I have to blame for 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 all the tiger tiger deaths. 
I'm looking at you, Allison. I'm more interested in pig sticking. That sounds dope. Pig sticking. What is pig sticking? Um, it's what it's what it sounds like. It's it's just. just You'll see it links yeah, to the no, article for boar hunting. Yeah, and interestingly enough, they list elephants in the boar hunting article on Wikipedia. Well, they used elephants to chase boars. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. That seems like such a so much work. So let's get to a couple of those choice quotes where we look in. Um, so I believe it was after his brother was killed. Yeah, his brother was killed. He enlisted in the army. Um, and I believe he's most known for his exploits in the uh, Netherlands. Yes. So. He took an umbrella with his kit as a mean of, means of identification because he had trouble remembering passwords and felt that anyone who saw him with it would <laughs> think that, quote, only a bloody fool of an Englishman, end quote, <laughs> would carry an umbrella into battle. He's well, sort he of like right. a militarized uh, Mary Poppins. That's a good. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's Mary Poppins with a gun. Yeah. Um, later on. Um, oh, yes. Digby wore his red beret instead of a helmet. Yes. I and see he that. waved his umbrella while walking about the defenses despite heavy mortar fire. He later disabled a German armored car with his umbrella. So I wait, wait, what? He disabled a German armored car with his umbrella incapacitated the driver by shoving the umbrella through the car's observational slit and poked the driver in the eye. Ah! He's he's the militarized Mary Poppins. He really is. Yes. His group's chaplain was pinned down by enemy fire. Hold on. The most amazing part of this story is that he survived the war. Okay, can can can, okay, can we I get to some choice ahead. quotes? I skipped ahead. I skipped okay. ahead. So the group's chaplain was pinned down by enemy fire while trying to cross the street to get to the injured soldiers. Um Mr. Tatham Warder got to him and said, quote, don't worry about the bullets. I've got an umbrella. <laughs> when he returned to the front line, he was told that the umbrella will not do him any good, to which he replied, quote, oh, my goodness. What if it rains? <laughs> this this sounds like a, a folk hero. Yeah, it <laughs> it's got a very you're right. It's got a very folk hero quality. Yeah. To it. God, how is there not like a movie about this guy? I, that's the other thing. How has he not been a franchise at this point? Like <laughs> Allison Digby Tatham Warder. I almost it's, don't want to release this episode so that no one no one steals the, the idea. Yeah, he's got and he, like the, the cinematic quality of that name. Yeah. Yeah. Are we writing the script after this? And I so I, I want to hit you with a name for, for who could play this fellow. I mean, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes is Ray Fiennes is not so old in the grand scheme of like human life. But to play a British soldier in World War Two, Ray Fiennes. You're right. Is so he old. is. He is definitely older than the only. So I was going to hit you with Benedict Cumberbatch, who I think a little Ooh, bit. Benny Combs. Yeah, I think a little bit suffers from the same problem. I don't know off the top of my head. Here's the thing. In World War Two, this guy would have been born in 1917 and he did the umbrella thing in 1942. Yeah, so he was in his 20s. He was in his mid to late 20s. Yeah. But Benny, Benny is probably he's 42. OK, he's 42. Yeah, he's a little. Yeah, old. he's pretty old. He's a little old, but phenomenal actor. He can play old. He can play young. 
If, as long as we're going for adventures, could we could we get a? Do you think Tom Holland would be good for it? No, he doesn't have that long face. Yeah, but I I see Tom Holland. I I think that he could do it. I see Tom Holland. In I him. think he could do it. Yeah, because he does have a, he has a young face. He does. He yeah. has a he has a young but and and it, it is just very British face. Yes, extremely British. Face. And 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 I an think extremely that, British name. Oh yeah, an extremely British life. Honestly, how is this not how is this not a feature film already? He died in Kenya. I want to know more about that. Well, so what was he doing in Kenya at age 75? Um, I didn't get that far. Well, we know he loved tiger hunting. Oh, good point. After the war ended, he served in British controlled mandatory Palestine. He before being appointed to the Fifth King's African Rifles in British Kenya. OK, yeah, he I think that he just remained in Kenya until he died. This and this is really buried here. He created the concept of the modern safari. <laughs> oh, jeez. That feels like that should be. Yeah, that's that's the post credit scene. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and is... then he gets shawarma. <laughs> no, he doesn't get shawarma. And then we cut to the, I don't know, a desert in the American Southwest and there's a big hammer that nobody can lift. Yeah, and, and then my uh, knowledge of the post credit scenes are is thin. And then uh, and then we see we see him playing chess, and then suddenly we realize that's that the, not that's not canon. The chess that's not in that's not in the MCU. It doesn't have to be. That's it's not still in the post credit scene. It's still it that has nothing to do with Thanos. You're right. You're right. It, we're we're gonna find out in like two weeks that going to get shawarma is key to defeating Thanos. Oh my goodness! Wait. I don't care <laughs> about the <laughs> Avengers. Okay, so that's the show this that's week. That's the show. You ready for... That uh, fish was so big. It was a big fish. Yeah. Uh, you ready for one one um, last headline? Ready for the last one. Want to click it for All me? All right, here is our final one. German yachtsman inflates trousers to survive three hour, hours <laughs> in sea. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, guys. I am still uh, and remain Lowell. I will always be Aiden. Don't say always. Have a great week.